We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast. I'm Patrick Moran. Casual Friday presented by our friends at Casey's Blackrock, 44 Amherst Street in Blackrock. Great food, great looking bar, great vibe, great everything, man. We taped Casual Friday there last uh, last week, and we'll be doing that again there next week. Yeah, man, I just can't say enough about the place. Can't say enough about my Casual Friday regular guests either. My man, Joe Yurden. What's up, dude? You know, we had fun last week at Casey's. Me, you... And the lovely Jill Thompson. It was a fun time, man. What's going on? Yeah, no, it was it was great. It was it was seriously good to like just go somewhere that's not our own places of living <laughs> and go yeah. and sit and talk for 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 a little bit and have some have some wings, have some beers, and just sit around and just have a normal like a normal night out. I guess that that was that was probably the most fun part of it. Well, it, it turned into a night out because I screwed up. I screwed up getting the wings. I was supposed to tell him to drop wings when we started taping, and I, and we kind of had a miscommunication, which I obviously take blame for. And we ended up waiting like what forty five minutes after recording for twenty minutes during a break, which was fun. Yeah, I was saying you you and I and Jill had a, more time to hang out. That's yeah, we had time it. to hang out, uh, watch a little baseball. Just a great bar, man. I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to going back there uh, next week. So I'll tell you what, today, Joe. So we're going to talk Bill Stadium stuff, uh, some Deion Dawkins, some Jack Eichel, because I don't think we can go a week without talking Jack Eichel. Right. We're going to do our starting five this week. It's going to be best metal hair bands. So that'll be mm-hmm. a lot of fun. But before we get going, I, I, I got to get something off my chest. And I'm, and I'm being serious now. I'm not trying to be funny. I get, I get asked this like pretty much every day now, several times a day. And I understand why for the last few months. And... You know, I'm, I'm a pretty transparent guy on this podcast. I feel like I always have been, whether you and I are talking and a lot of these are conversations with us. I've made it no secret how I felt about living in Florida at the time and, you know, my desire to live in, in Buffalo. I've talked pretty openly about family stuff. Um, you know, me being, a just, I don't know, motivational stuff, like my lack of motivation, just all kinds of stuff. I've been pretty transparent about my life, pretty much an open book on here. And that's kind of one of the things that I like doing with this podcast. And I think for the most part, people appreciate that. But anyway, yeah, so I, I get asked this all the time. And I don't, I, I just, I don't want to hold it in anymore. I didn't really know how to give a right answer. Cause this is, I've known this for a few weeks now. And, um, 
And again, being pretty transparent. And plus, I'm mad at myself. And I'll get I'll get I'll get to that in a minute. But I, I want to discuss this for a few minutes with you today. And look, I know people tune in because they love hearing from Joe. And I promise you, you're gonna hear more from Joe in just a few minutes. But before that, uh I, I'm talking about this publicly today in part because I think maybe parents out there, if you're listening, if you got a kid, I don't care if he's in high school, I don't care if they're he or she's two, three years old and they've never touched a, a ball in their life yet. Hopefully you'll learn from this. So we've talked for quite a long time now. Again, Shane, my son, uh, played high school football, going to Clarion University, a D2 school program for, for football. And that's been, you know, a, a source of pride for me, obviously, in a subject that I've talked about a lot on this show. Anyway, uh, the short version is this. Shane has decided he, he doesn't want to play football anymore. He does not want to continue playing football in college. He just doesn't want to do that. And what I wanted to talk about today, because look, this for me, it's a tough pill to swallow, but I've learned over the last handful of days, it's a tough pill, but it's for all the wrong reasons. And again, more on that in a minute, but, and all right, I want to make sure I say this right. It's not about the football show. You know, it's not like he was some kind of like power five conference blue chip prospect, you know, getting recruited by Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame, anything like that. That shit doesn't matter. That's not the point here. The story that I'm trying to talk to people about is has to do far more than just than football. And I kind of like, let's go back to the beginning a little bit. So again, and I've talked about this a lot on the show because I'm, I'm very proud of my son. You know, he, he's had a great football career. He's always been a leader. He's been a captain on every team he's played on. He's always been one of the best players on the team, whether it was Little Loop in, in Lackawanna or West Seneca or West Side or when we went down to Florida, Little Loop. And then the last four years at, Braden River High School. You know, he was a, a two-time honorable mention all-state linebacker. He was the captain of the football team his senior year. 2,000 students, 2,000 students in that school, man. And he was the captain of the team. And my greatest thrill, and I've said this many times, wasn't anything he ever did on the field. It was before the game. There's 45 players, 50 players on each sideline, and only one kid from each team meet at, at center field, or <laughs> the center of the field, to, for the coin toss. And... Mm -hmm. and Shane was that guy, and that just it made me so proud. I was just dripping with pride. But anyway, and he was recruited by a bunch of D2 schools. His height, he's only about 5'9 5'10", a little bit too short to be a D1 linebacker. So D2 schools were on him, despite COVID, which is good. Mm -hmm. But there was just something, Joe, there was something off. And I, I, it was, I noticed it during the recruiting process over Christmas break we went to visit Clarion and he liked the school, but you could just tell he was not excited about the process. And I remember this, my wife, myself and him kind of fought in the car because he also had a uh, visits lined up with Seton Hill, which was a D2 school in Pennsylvania and uh, another D2 school in Ohio. We were supposed, I think Finley, we were supposed to, to visit. And he had, it was the first time he said in the car, he didn't like playing. He didn't want to play anymore, but mm -hmm. he knew he had to, he was, he was doing it for the wrong reasons. He was doing it for, for family. He was doing it for, for everything else, for me, you know? And I was concerned about that at the time. But I, honestly, I thought he was kind of just going through a phase. Kids do mm -hmm. that. Teenagers do that. He'd plow through it all. He'd come out, you know, on the other side with a different mindset, maybe just a nice break. Because, you know, man, dude, only like, I think I saw a stat, 4 to 5% of kids who play high school football go on to play D1 or D2 football. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've always, my mindset was, you know, he'd be wasting his talent, you know, and 
and throwing away an opportunity most kids would would kill for to be able to play college football on any kind of decent level. I know I would have when I was in high school. I love mm-hmm. football. I just wasn't good enough. So anyway, that didn't last. And he moved on from that. He kept working out and training and stuff like that. COVID became an issue with Clarion because uh, due to money. So there was no D2 football last year. And that cost the program a lot of money. So they had to kind of mm-hmm. defund some of the program. And the people who were paying the price were a lot of the, the incoming freshmen. So the school, it would have became a lot more money to, to go there this year. So we talked about things and we decided that he would play Juco ball this year. And we're already in Buffalo, so he would play at ECC. And then he would go back right after the season, back out there for recruiting. And I already know there's schools interested in him from last year, and it would have even been more after this year. There was no question in my mind about that. But that first meeting he had, the first day he went to ECC that, that night, he, he called me and, and his mother, and that was it. He don't want to play no more, and, and he was done, and he meant it this time. You know, he's 18 years old. He's done with school. He says, I'm not doing it, Dad. I'm just, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And my first instinct, and this is why I said I'm mad at myself, because my first instinct, and I'm, this is what I'm trying to tell people out there listening. My first instinct was anger and disappointment mm-hmm. in him, and that's it's, it's wrong, because here's the truth about, like, my son playing, man. He got hurt a lot playing high school football. He got banged up a lot. His first, and I'll never forget this, his sister came from Buffalo to Florida to watch him play his first game of his junior year against Largo, knocked unconscious right before the half on a punt return, literally got carried out on a stretcher and was playing again next week. He didn't miss a game. At some point during the season, I'll show you a picture of this later on. He had like uh, a knot the size of an egg on his head from practice. Still got like a little scar tissue left from that. Just those type of injuries. Never missed a game in his life, though. From six years old to his final game in 12th grade, he never missed a game. But it took a toll on him, man, physically, mm-hmm. emotionally. And he stopped loving the game. And he wasn't really playing it for himself anymore. He was playing it to please me and please maybe some other people in the family or people who, you know, people that support in him. And I'm sure the expectations and the pressure that I know I put on him, not on purpose, you know, I didn't do it mm-hmm. to hurt him. But I know I put pressure on him and expectations that that weren't fair. And when you get to this level, and I know you know this too, I'm not telling you stuff you don't know. You got to have a, a big passion to play high school football, or not high school. You could get you could get through a little loop. You can get through high school even just being good. You don't have to have a passion to play. But if you're going to go play college football, especially at a decently high level or professional football, those guys, you got to have a passion to play. You know, And I'm sure any guy who plays in college or in the NFL will tell you the exact same thing. Anyway, like I said, I was angry and, and I was disappointed. I mean, I've always lived vicariously through Shane. I, I've said that on this podcast. And I know a lot of parents out there are the same thing when their kids, especially if their kids got a talent, we, we mm-hmm. tend to live vicariously through our kids when it comes to sports. Lots of us do, man. It's our, it's like our chance to go back into a time machine, you know, and, and, and be better than we were and do things differently than we did when we were a kid. But the thing is this, man, over the last, like, handful of days or so i've kind of like self-evaluated everything and that's like one thing in my own process in my life right now i i'm always trying to evolve and improve and i, and I do that by kind of self-evaluating and i got mad but this time i got mad not at him because he didn't do nothing wrong man i got mad at myself and this is the thing about me and i'm sure some people out there might feel like i get content and i kind of get stuck in my ways and i'm not good enough to be content man i'm not 
I'm not a good enough dad to be content. I'm not a, a good enough husband to be content. I'm not a good enough friend. To, I'm not a good enough podcast or not good enough anything to just sit there and be content, man. I, you need to constantly strive to be better, a better person. You know, that's the only mm-hmm. time like I could be at my best. So anyway, man, I know I'm being long-winded here, but this is important to me because again, I'm getting asked this all the time and because I've talked about it all the time. So I understand why. But all this time, like, I'm like, I thought I was being the best dad ever, you know, best husband mm-hmm. ever. Because I always put him first, man. I, I 12 years, I never missed one of his games. I, I skipped weddings. I skipped all kinds of stuff to never miss one of his games. And I'm very proud of that. And I gave up a lot, man, to make sure he had everything. So did his mom. And, you know, I filled out all of his college stuff for him. I, I talked to coaches for him. I made highlight films for him, man. I, this, that, the other thing. And I, I am proud of that. But I'm, I'm not feeling pride right now. I'm embarrassed. And I'm embarrassed because, like, I didn't even want to play. He, he, he didn't want to put himself through this shit anymore. He didn't want to go to college. Mm-hmm. He did not want to go through the grind physically and emotionally anymore, man. And here's the part that I'm talking. The, the, the whole climax of the story is this, man. He was afraid to tell me. He was afraid to, to talk to me. He was Because he was afraid of what my reaction was going to be. And that's just terrible, man. And it just, it eats me up. So like the moral of this story, folks, is let this be a reminder, man. Support your kids. I know that sounds so simple. It sounds so easy. Hey, support your kids, but like really, truly support them. Do everything you can for them. Be proud of them. Comfort them when they need it. But more than anything else, and this is where I was wrong and I didn't realize it. It's, it's, a, it's not about us. It's about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's when I finally realized him being good enough to play college football, that wasn't his dream. That was my dream. You know what I'm saying? It was... It was mm-hmm. my dream. It was my pride. It was me telling Joe Yurden. It was me telling Sal Capaccio. Me telling all my friends and my family, yo, my kid's playing D2 football. He's a great player. This and that. That was my dream, man. It wasn't his. And I, I couldn't be more proud of him. I, I, you know, I, I look back and, I, and, and I'm starting to learn this now. I don't think of like what could have been because, that, again, that was my initial reaction. What could have been? Man, if he would just get through this. I can't think that way. I think about what he's done and all the great memories growing up. Him growing up, me being his dad, you know, that, that he's provided all the joy he gave me and, and his mom. And, you know, that's the shit that I can take to my grave. So anyway, yeah, man, just support your kids. Allow them to create their own dreams and don't try to make them your dreams. You know, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. So thank you for letting let me get on my soapbox here. But seriously, man, thank you for letting me have a couple of minutes. You know what I'm saying, Joe? We Again, we've talked yeah. about my son many times with football. It's just... It really caught me off guard and it shouldn't have. And the fact that I was surprised when I shouldn't have been and I was angry and upset at first, got a long way to go in, when it comes to, to being a good dad. You know what yeah. I mean? That's just what I'm kind of saying right now. Don't beat yourself up too bad, bad about that. Kids, I mean, just speaking from my own perspective on this, um, even though I'm north of 40 and like me being a kid is a, is a long time ago now, but it's still fresh in my memory. The last thing you ever want to do is to disappoint your folks. And, you yeah. know, you never want to disappoint them. You never want them to be, you never want them to look at you like, oh, geez, you know, what could have been any of that stuff. And like, that's what makes you feel the worst about anything like that, whether it's, you know, football, anything like, you, you know, classes, any of that stuff. Like once you show your folks how good you are at different things, for a lot of kids, that sets up the the bar in their mind of like, I can't go below that. And if right. you go below that, your folks are going to recognize that, but also like you're going to feel bad about that. And sometimes you excel at things and it's not what you like to do. 
you know, at some point you lose that love of it. Sometimes it's just, it feels like a chore and you're just like this, I'm tired of this. Like, and you, but you feel like you got to keep that going because it's been something that you've done so well at already. And your folks are just expecting it to be that way. It's not, you know, maybe it's not necessarily from pressure. It's just from previous, you know, previous experience. And then at some point, and like, if a parent can pick it out right away and be like, oh, they must not like this anymore. Kudos to them because because sometimes it takes a lot to see through that because kids put up put up a front on a lot of that and that's not a negative thing that's just you know they're like hey how was you know how was football today it was like oh yeah I was good yeah did good like whatever and like yeah it's like did you have fun yeah yeah it was fun yeah that was good and like you know sometimes it's not obvious like that but sometimes you just gotta you know you're just kind of like yeah no you got to be your own PR person be like yeah no it was great yeah it was was good did good like had a sack (laughs) you know got an interception like whatever. but like when you're in that spot and like suddenly you're just like, I don't like this anymore. This isn't fun. And if it's something you've done well at before or something that your parents are proud of you for doing, it feels like you're letting them down by giving that up. And that's that's where that's where it gets really hard to face up to that. And you know what? I, I mean, listen, parents are always so proud of what their kids do. Always, always, always. I mean, I was a shitty baseball player. I was, I was you know, by the time I was 15, 16, I knew I wasn't going to be playing baseball any, you know. At right. any level above, like you know, just like local league play, like there, there is never going to happen. But there was a game where I hit a home run. Now there was a lot of other games when I was a kid that I hit balls that should have been home runs, but I didn't play on fields that had a fence, and I was the world's slowest runner. So they weren't home runs; they were they were long triples or they were you know doubles or whatever. Um, but I finally played on a field in Babe Ruth where there was a fence, and I hit a ball that I swear I swear to Christ it went 450 feet because it landed next to second base in the field that was beyond the fence the little league field that was beyond the fence you know in our outfield like it was just like whoa shit I hit the crap out of that my dad could not be more my dad ran over to the other field to get the ball uh he couldn't have been more so he like ran to the phone to call my mom and everything it's, it's just like you know minor you know babe ruth league you know I'm you know 14 15 years old whatever it was but he was just so fired up for it. It was a game we lost 20 to two. <laughs> and you know, one other kid on our team had a solo home run. So it was just like, all right, well, both our runs came off home runs. But we lost by 18. And, um, but he was just so fired up. He was so excited by that. And that was like, that's cool. Like, that's so cool to see your parents get excited about, you know, something that you did, you know, whether it's grades, whether it's sports, whether, you know, anything. Like if you accomplish something, it's like, wow, you're really good at that. That's so cool. Like parents are your number one fans always. And if you, you know, if you do something where it's just like you fall short of that, like it's already a disappointment for yourself. But if you see that look on, on your folks face or you, you know, they express it somehow, it's it. And this isn't meant to, I'm not trying to make you feel bad here, but like, it's just, it's an extra, like a little shot to the kidneys where you're just like, Oh, Oh yeah. I know. It's like, I already feel bad. Like this already sucks. I already don't like doing this. Please don't do that. But like, if you rally back and you'd be like, hey, bud, listen, I screwed up by reacting that way. I'm, whatever you want to do, you do it. Like this, it's your college experience. It ain't mine. You don't right. want to play football, go for it. Like if you want to be a scientist, go crazy. Go do that. Like whatever you want to do, do that. I thought it was being super dad. And again, this is kind of like, I hope this could be a, a good learning point for parents out there with kids because it, but it never occurred to me that to say, hey, do you want to play college football or do you want to continue to play football after high school? My take was, well, the kid has a gift. He's a good football player. I mean, he's not, again, he's not like 
the world's greatest player. He wasn't going to Clemson or anything like that, but he was good enough to to have it help him get a college education. But again, it's his choice. Mm-hmm. He should have had input, and I never really gave him an opportunity to have input. And it just bothers me right now, and I'm still going through the process of dealing with it. That mm-hmm. he was a not that he told us that he, but he was afraid to say that he didn't want to go and that he didn't want to play. And he went to that first day of meetings and he didn't want to go. And then he just couldn't take it anymore after mm-hmm. that. And I, that's where I feel bad. And that's where I'm saying the lesson for parents out there is let's support our kids with no matter what they do. It don't even have to be sports. It could be music, art, whatever it may be, but it's okay to live vicariously through your kids to a point. Cause I, mm-hmm. again, I made no bones about that. I've said it a million times. I've done that just like you, like I played football in high school. I played football in high school, but I knew, like you talked about with baseball, I knew at 15 years old, 16 years old, my days were going to come to an end when my high school career was over. You know what I mean? I was never mm-hmm. going to play anything beyond that. And the, I, so for, I, I don't know, it's just, I didn't do a good enough job as a father and as a family person to just say, mm-hmm. Hey, what buddy, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do? I thought I was doing what's best for him. I mean, in fairness, mm-hmm. I, I didn't do anything out of malice or spider or my own personal right. selfishness, not at least consciously anyway, you know what I mean? But now, mm-hmm. like I talk about self-evaluation, I, I'm trying to go back more and more and look at what I'm doing and find ways that I can improve at no matter what mm-hmm. it is. But anyway, like I said, just let your kids be kids, let them make their own decisions and, and, and support them and don't try to force them into something that they don't want to do. And I give them a lot of credit because you know what? Another thing too, would have cost a hell of a lot of money if he would have played for a month, started yeah. school, and, and then say, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to do this. And now you're, you know, 15, 20K in the hole or whatever for a mm-hmm. year of school. So he'll figure it out. I have all the confidence in the world. No matter what he does, he'll he'll be successful. But anyway, like I said, it was just my little, uh, my little lesson for parents. Learn mm-hmm. from my mistakes. Like I said, I'm not afraid to kind of put myself on blast a little bit here because that's what I'm doing. But if it helps somebody listening to maybe ease off the kid a little bit, from uh, kind of making it your dream instead of theirs, and it, then it's worth kind of embarrassing myself here a little bit. Yeah, I, you know what? Don't beat yourself up about it because the thing—the thing that I've learned becoming an adult—and you know, you're not—you're no like you're always your parents' kid. Like, yeah, that never stops. Like, you're just—you're always like. Anytime I see my mom, it's just like it's like, oh, my baby, do it. I'm like, mom, I'm 42. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah. no, you're my baby to me, and it's like, okay, I get that. Yeah, okay, good point. Good point, mom. You win that round. But like, you, it just never like when you're a parent though, and like I say this as somebody who I'm not a parent. I'll make that very clear. But what I've learned from watching other friends being parents, everybody's winging it. Every nobody knows going into being a parent how to do it right off the hop and be perfect. Like nobody's. Nobody knows how to do that. And you're just winging it constantly. You're, you're learning on the fly all the time. And if you screw something up, just be honest with yourself about it. Be honest with, you know, with your partner about it. And if your kids can communicate it, be honest with them about it. Like that, that's the biggest thing is just to be like, Hey, you know, listen, I got to be your authority figure, but you know what? I ain't going to be perfect. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to screw some stuff up now and again. I'm just going to be honest with you. Now, obviously you don't want to get, walked all over by your kids especially like impressionable age you don't want to give them you know give them the entire leash and be like here just walk yourself you'll you'll figure it out but (laughs) like you want like my kid's gonna tell me go fuck off now when i say go do something do do your homework eat shit dad you know (laughs) please 
<laughs> like, well, no, you're, then you're not going to college. Go sign up to work at Tim Hortons, please. Just go do that. But, um, but yeah, like you just, you know, when they're, when they're that, when they're older and they can figure it out, or if you feel they're mature enough to be able to handle those conversations, just be honest with them. Like it might, the first time you do that, it might seem weird. Cause you're kind of dropping that fourth wall of like, I was like, I, I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the parent. I tell you yeah, what to I'm do. The alpha, you like, I'm the alpha. Yeah. Right. Like, but like, once you like kind of drop that and you're like, when they're old enough to be like, all right, listen, we see how this goes. We know what's going on here. Like, just be cool. It doesn't mean like, you know, take them aside and start smoking pot with them and hanging out with their friends. Like that's, that's a whole different level of weird, but like, you know, like, but you know what I'm saying though? Like you just gotta sure. be you, like when they're, when they're mature enough to handle like those talks, have it with them instead of just keeping up the facade of like, I never used to do any of that stuff when you're a kid. It's like, it's like back to the future. You watch back to the future and Marty has this idea of what his parents were like, you know, as a kid growing up with them as his parents. And he goes back, you know, he goes in the past and sees that like, his mom, everything his mom railed against was like, that's what she did when she was young. And his dad was a dork. So it's just right. like, uh, all right. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, they're just, they were faking it the whole way. <laughs> you know, like you just, you, you get to find that out about them. And it's just like, it's like, oh man, we're, everybody's on the same page. Everybody doesn't know what, like, nobody has a real genuine idea of how to do things. You're just winging it. Yeah. All right, folks. Now that the Dr. Phil portion of Talking Buffalo podcast <laughs> is over, going to take a really quick break. We'll be right back. And then we're going to talk some bills, some sabers. And we're going to do our weekly starting five draft. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Joe. So Pagula Sports and Entertainment uh, spokesperson, Jim Wilkinson, uh, whoever he made some. Yeah, whoever he is. Actually, I kind of heard some some things about him from a few people, but I want to get it confirmed. And then maybe we'll talk about that in the future. But anyway, he made some uh, pretty poignant comments to Channel 4 earlier in the week, making it really clear that stadium negotiations are. uh, indeed occurring with, with uh, a clear or else in mind. And I want to read the direct quote, so I don't want to be misquoted here. Mm-hmm. This is from Jim Wilkinson. He said, the Bagulas have made a proposal. This is what he said to Channel 4. They would like to build it right here in Orchard Park, and we need to hear back. You can't really do plans and designs on things until you have a deal. And right now, the city of Buffalo and the state of New York are going to have to decide if they want a team. That is pretty, uh, pretty poignant, man. And 
you know, well, I want to get your take. My, mine, this, maybe you agree, maybe you completely disagree. I've always feel like a new stadium here is going to get built. I'm not sweating it too much. I still don't think the Pagoulas ultimately would relocate the Bills, but after hearing stuff like that and just other things and the way the world's going today, I'd be lying mm -hmm. if I said all these reports and, and these quotes, if they're not becoming a little bit unsettling to me. What's your take on all that? I, um, I think this is very ham-fisted negotiations on their part. Yeah. I think, I think this is, this is how not to do it, how not to start off with it. When you open, when you open up now, granted, like they've been studying this for years, you know, they've had multiple studies done on, on this, you know, the, the, um, the legends group that did the, uh, I guess the, 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 that's the, the profile that they're running with, um, uh, you know, that's the group with like Jerry Jones as part of it, Manchester City, like the Yankees are, you know, that that's like, those are the big boys. Like th that, that's, that's a group where you're just like, okay, they're deadly serious about how they're going to do this. But like when you, when your opening salvo is to say, we want $1.4 billion all from the state. And if you don't give it to us, we're leaving. You're shooting the hostage before negotiations even start. Like that's, that's not even like you've already put a bullet in their foot and said like, all right, well, what next? Like, dude, like, like where'd this come from? And to me, this is just, it's an insane way to go about it. Like, yeah. Okay. Like negotiations are always like you start off with the, you know, your openings, your opening shot is always like, here's, here's what we want to do. What's your counter. So how do you counter this other than saying, go ahead, try and leave fuck you. Like, <laughs> like you think you're going to go somewhere else. That's going to like this team better. No, you, you're not going anywhere. Like, and you've already done this. You've already pissed off a lot of people in the city, like in the area. Never mind this, you know, never mind the city, but then also to hang it on the city of Buffalo. Like, dude, you're building your stadium in orchard park city of Buffalo. You got shit to do with it. Like, yeah, it's the identity of Buffalo, but like, if you're not putting it downtown, man, you know, what's Byron Brown or, you know, what's India Walton going to do about like, they're just be like, okay, like, what's what's the big deal here like this has nothing to do with us man this is everything to do with the county this is everything to do with with the state city ain't got nothing to do with it city ain't got nothing about it so this is just it it's crazy to me that this is this is the starting point for them like yeah okay you want all the you want it to be all paid for up front by somebody else i get it owners are greedy they want, you know, they don't want to spend money on any of this stuff. And they're just like, well, the county already runs its stadium now. So like, it's not really ours. It's like, it is yours. Like you run it. But I mean, to come out with this right off the start, right off the start and say like, oh, we can't even do designs and, you know, we can't do any of this bullshit, man. Like you've already got design. You got designs out the ass. You've got, you've got markup, you've got mock-ups and all sorts of stuff waiting to be unleashed the second you come into some sort of like normal discussion. They've got all this stuff waiting to go. And when you start breaking it down, like this is the this is the thing. Like when you're when you start doing this, people are just like, hey, what the, what the fuck is this about? You start thinking, like, well, why wouldn't they want it downtown? And then you know that gets all picked apart. And it's like, okay, well, a lot of the money that they got to put into it probably has to do with infrastructure, which that's a big deal. Like if you're gonna put something downtown, you gotta you gotta change a lot of shit. There's a lot, like, there's a lot that's gotta go into it, which if you got to be able to get 70,000 people in and out of downtown. Right. You can't do that Orch right now. I mean, you can do it better than you can in Orchard Park. There's what, two two roads out of out of the current stadium, which is going to be where, you know, it's going to be right in the shadow of the same footprint. Like they already sent everybody on the 219 and to uh, 
uh, big tree. Like, like you're sending everybody out there uh, to, to all the same roads. Like, yeah. Okay. You put it downtown. Well, okay. They shut them off into the 190, put them on the city streets, put them on the trains, put them out. Like, there's no parking down there. Well, there's, there's a friggin' parking garage on every block from, from the, from where the arena is now to like all the way up Washington. Like there's garages everywhere. You could do, you, there's, there's a million different ways you can get there if you put it downtown, especially if it's where they, they scheme the idea, but the cost is the big thing. And they haven't been able to buy up all that land down there. They've tried. Pagula's bought a bunch of that line, that, that land, but Carl Paladino's bought a bunch of that land and he wants, he wants to get paid, which yeah. I mean, if you own land down there, yeah, you want to get paid. Of course you do. Like, and if you know, there's going to be a fucking football stadium put there. Yeah. You're going to pay me millions for that. Of course you will. Um, but it's just easier. Like they're doing this the easy way, like the attempted easy way. I can't say it's all easy because otherwise they'd already be, they already start building it, but like they're trying to do it the easy, like they're trying to find the shortest route possible. And instead asking the state for all the fucking money, that's the long road. Like we're, we're still in a pandemic. It's not like we've come out of it. We're still in it. And like the state doesn't want to spend money and you're going to be like, Hey, so when you do want to start spending money, can you just drop a billion and a half dollars on us? Just, just a little thing. It's a little bit of help here. No, man. Like you're not getting that right off the hop. And like, even if it becomes the thing where it's like 750 million, like they say they pay half. It's still a lot of fucking money, man. Like that's, that's crazy money. And it's like what, and especially when you start talking about Buffalo, the more you keep bringing Buffalo into the discussion, what would $750 million do to the city of Buffalo to use it in anything other than sports? Like how much shit would you be able to do with the city of Buffalo to improve it other than just slapping a stadium in Orchard Park? Like, holy shit, dude, like all the, all the, all the fucking potholes and every other street across the city gone, gone forever. Like they'll, you can, you can, you can put in some like, it's like titanium roads to make it so that it doesn't work with $750 million. Like all this stuff where it's just, it just, it's, it's so ignorant of everything else around it. And to come out and say like, well, if you don't give it to us, we're moving. That's a threat you make if negotiations get a little angsty in the middle or at the end and be like, hey, listen, if this is going to be like this, we can just go. Yeah. You don't start with that. You don't start immediately by saying, yeah, we'll leave. Fine. Go. Go somewhere else. Like, Have fun. Go be the fifth most popular team in Texas. Enjoy. Yeah. I'll tell you, man. I, I mean, we can debate whether it should be in Orchard Park or Buffalo, obviously. I mean, they've done a lot of studies. I'd like to think that through all the studies they've done, they concluded that it's better off in Orchard Park. But anyway, that aside, you can say that. Or, you know, Pagulas, they want $1.5 billion. Should they pay that? Should they pay nothing? You can go back and forth. But I'll tell you, the one thing is, it is so on brand right now for PSE, Pagula Sports and Entertainment, mm-hmm. to, to, to just handle the PR so shitty. Like, as mm-hmm. poorly as they possibly could. That's the one thing already that, and you kind of hit on it just now, they, they're so bad at handling PR. Mm-hmm. Fans are angry, man. I mean, that's, yeah. I agree with you. That's something you say when, when negotiations hit a bad snag and it looks like mm-hmm. you might not get a deal done. Then you start dropping those, uh, you know, those bombs that, hey, man, maybe we'll take our stadium and go somewhere else or our franchise and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You're doing it now at the, yeah. at the beginning stages of this. That's about as poor of a job PR wise as you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And the thing that gets me is in a lot of the arguments that people come up with is like, well, you know, they gave a lot of money to the Mets and the Yankees to build their stadium. I'm like, 
well, that's also in the most populous city in the world. So, you know, and that's where, you know, real estate costs a lot of money. And also there's boondoggles associated with that. Like they signed like bond deals for, I mean, at least with Yankee Stadium, they signed bond deals for parking garages down there. And part of the, you know, part of what they did for the infrastructure there was to extend the, uh, uh, the, the um, Metro North train line to have a stop right outside the stadium. So if you're taking that, you can take it from Connecticut or you can take it from like upstate, you know, up towards Poughkeepsie. And like the way you always used to have to get to New York City was like you either had to get to New York City to take a subway or you just drove right in with the old stadium. Now you can stop anywhere between Poughkeepsie and like White Plains, park there, hop on a train and go right to the stadium. Yeah. So they bought so they paid these bonds out for like, you know, and the city did this, like a city and state did this these multi-million dollar bonds for parking garages down there that they're literally never going to be able to pay back. Why? Because nobody drives to the stadium. They all take the train. No, like nobody's paying 50 bucks a parking spot to go down there. Nobody's doing that. So all the money they thought they were going to make hand over fist by having people drive to the stadium, they're not getting because nobody's doing it. Like you're a crazy person to drive down there. And like, you know, I'm not as familiar with the city field stuff, but it's like, it's the same deal. Like they, they built that in the shadow of Shea, of Shea Stadium. You know, they already had the trains down. They already had all that stuff there. Like whatever they're shelling out for it, the stuff was already there. Like if you're pay- overpaying for that, like, okay, great. But at least there, you know, you're paying for the land. Like New York City, you pay a billion dollars for shit. Well, yeah, you, you bought a bunch of land for it. Buffalo, like, what are you getting for $1.4 billion? Like in Orchard Park, like, I mean, yeah, if you're going to build like a giant mansion down there, yeah, you're probably going to pay a lot of money for it. But like, they're going to like, what, eat up the ECC South Campus? Like, that they're already not really totally using? Like, they're going to eat up a bunch of parking lots? Like, who gives a shit? Parking, parking lots and parking lots, a thousand parking lots down there. Give me a break. You're going to pay all this money out that for that, and you're not even going to throw a dome on top of the stadium? Like, you leave it open for football games. But if you want to do anything else down there, use it apart from, you know, the 10 weeks, 10, 11, 12 weeks, you're going to have it open for football. Don't you need a dome? Like, if you're going to put a, you know, you got to put a big concert out there, and like, if it starts pouring rain, well, suddenly your concert's fucked. Throw a dome on, close the roof, done, good, great. Like, and it, you know, I know the dream is like to get a final four or something, you know, something else with a big facility like that, but you can't even do that. Like, you can't even like tease the idea of doing something like that without it. And they're just kind of like, nope, we need the elements because that's our strength. And it's like, whoop de freaking do, man. Like, even the f- fans love having the games in the snow. They don't love sitting there when it's five degrees and snow's pelting them in the face. And they definitely don't like driving home in it either. Yeah. You know, it's just funny. It's so, uh, it's so fitting, unfortunately, that, you know, we get a good team. They're finally a Super Bowl containing team. And it's like, it just, can't it just be easy? Can't we just enjoy that? Do we need to worry in the back of our minds? Is this a legitimate threat? And again, I, I've said it all along. I, I still think at the end of the day, push comes to shove. I just, I don't see it happening. But I mean, you look at the business aspect, it, it doesn't it seem like, like uh, a century ago, maybe more than that, 500 years ago, don't it feel like? When Terry Bagula stood on that stage at the arena in 2011, mm-hmm. to, thought about the French Connection, talked about them, and started crying. He's such mm-hmm. a fan. And now we're here in 2021, and he's got spokespeople pretty much saying, give us money or we're taking our ass to Texas or somewhere right. else, man. It's just fucked up, man. And I, it's, I hate it. It's the thing that gets me. Like, Terry grew up a Sabres fan. And the Sabres didn't need saving. You know, Tom Golisano had the whole thing written in that, like, whoever buys them, they're not moving them. The NHL wouldn't allow it anyways, but he just bought them because it's like, well, I got the money. Let me just do it. They're my team. I love them. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. 
But when you buy the bills, like that, you know, we don't have to go over the whole history of the, you know, the bill sale and all the, you know, the nonsense that went into that. You could argue that he saved the bills. You can, I mean, there was a there was an argument to be made that they would go to Toronto if if the wrong, you know, if the right party bought yeah, them. If the Rogers came, you know? sure. Yeah, yeah, like you know, Rogers and Bon Jovi and whoever the fuck else. Like they like if they bought them, they were going they're going across the lake, like without a doubt. Um, so you could argue that he saved the bills, but the way they run the bills is just like a blind corporate thing. Like it's there's no love behind that, which you can say there's no love behind the way the Sabres run because they've been treated like the, uh, you know, like the redheaded stepchild now because now they're like, oh, shit, the bills make us all the money. Oh, let's 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 run it that let's run it like that. Run, let, let's run that like a business. And that's how they're doing it. And like you trying to you're trying to extract all the stuff out of, you know, the you know, the, the county, the city, you know, the state, everything, everything with this. And you're just it's. It's this is the side of sports that people hate looking at. Like this is, this is the stuff where people are just, geez, it's not really this dirty, is it? It's like it can be, can be, yeah. especially when you got billionaires fighting with you know governments and and things like that. Like if they don't get their way, then they're gonna they're gonna pout. And if they got the power to do it, they're gonna go. The thing is, and this is to me, this is the scarier part. And I like that you brought up the Sabers with this. If so, if they ever wanted to move the Sabers, the NHL would be like, fuck you, no. You are not doing that. You will sell them to somebody else who will keep them here first. You are not moving them. If you don't want to own them anymore, great. We'll find Gary Bettman will say, I will find somebody that wants to own them. We're fine. You know, if you want to move on, great. We'll do we'll figure it out. We'll find somebody. But if they go to the NFL and say, hey, listen, they don't want to give us a stadium, Roger Goodell will be like, okay, where do you want to go? Where's next? Like the Raiders are most beloved in Oakland. Like Oakland and the Raiders are like the most wedded town ever. But the second they said they weren't going to build a new stadium for the Raiders, it, pfft, see ya, Vegas. St. Louis, has they lost two football teams now. St. Louis loves football, but they lost the Cardinals because Arizona was just like, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take them. Great. You know, uh, that's fine. And then the whole thing with the Rams, Stan Kroenke's a, a douchebag. And because they wouldn't build him a new stadium, granted, they were already playing in a new a new one, you know, like that that dome there was just already like that was relatively new. But they were like, no, dude, we're not building you a new one. We know we, we just, you know, helped the Cardinals out with a new stadium and they they won shit like you guys haven't won anything more recently than the Cardinals have. So like eh, we got other money to spend on. He's like, screw it. We're going to L.A. And the NFL wanted a team in L.A. OK, Chargers were, you know, like they hadn't been in L.A. since what, the 50s, 60s? And they were just like, we can't afford to build a new stadium here, guys. Like, this just can't, it can't work. Like, you got to keep playing here at the old Murph. Sorry. And there was a like, screw it, We're going to LA too. Okay, great. Cool. Awesome. Houston Oilers. We're not building you a new stadium. All right. We're going to Tennessee. See ya. Peace. Like NFL's had so many relocations in just like the last, what, 20, 30 years. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it's but scary. like, that's because the NFL doesn't give a shit. They're like, we make enough money and it's fuck you money, basically. Where they're it's like, scary. if you don't want, if you don't want your team, you don't want to pay for them. Fine, we'll find somewhere else. They will, yeah. And I, like yeah. that, that to me is the fear you have if you're a Bills fan because it and it has nothing to do with like how much the fans love the team. They moved the team out of friggin' Cleveland, man. They love the Browns, and they were just like, yep, yeah, yeah, go to Baltimore. Fine, we owed Baltimore a team. Baltimore, like, come on. I think the thing that scares me the most about all this is that the county is so confident that the Bills would never leave and turn their back on this community, this region. I think that that gives them ammunition to play hardball a little bit too much. And they're almost daring him like, yeah, yeah, you're really going to leave. All right, go ahead. Cause we're not going to give you this, what Mm -hmm. you want. 
So that's the part that scares me. We'll see how it plays out, but it, it's not a promising start. Let's just put it that way. We're in for, mm -hmm. I think we're in for a lot of stress and anxiety before ultimately, hopefully anyway, um, a new stadium deal does get done. But again, speaking of scary, by the way, so Deion Dawkins this week, this is another Bill's newsworthy mm -hmm. item, I think, was very open and very candid. He had a press conference. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't remember, but about having COVID and talked about how sick he was and mm -hmm. He was like in the hospital for like four days. And he said he was even unsure at times if he was going to, you know, pull through it. it. That's how bad it got for him. He had got it one shot too. So he wasn't, he wasn't fully vaccinated, but he did have one shot uh, before getting it. I was kind of blown away. It's pretty uncommon today to, to hear players be that candid talking about, you know, COVID and, uh, and how bad it is. Cause if anything, we hear about, you know, my body, my choice, this and that, the vaccination. Mm -hmm. He's talking about how sick he got from it. And this is a very healthy, obviously, professional athlete, a very good professional athlete that's in a hospital after getting COVID and not even sure mm -hmm. if he was going to make it. And he said it's pretty much, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but it scared the shit out of him. You know, mm -hmm. so I don't know. Did you find that pretty telling this week? I, I was pretty fascinated by that conference. Yeah. I mean, it's especially interesting compared to, you know, all the nonsense we had to hear from Cole Beasley about, uh, you know, everything that he was yapping about and everything else that, that surrounded all that discussion and all the tweets and all the garbage. But this is one where, and granted this is, you know, it, the timing's bad, but like, I don't know how you don't have somebody like from the Sabre, you know, from the Sabres, like Ristolainen play those clips to the guys and be like, here's this guy who's a freak of nature, health nut who was brought, to his knees basically by COVID, you know, ha play the clip of him saying like, it felt like my lungs were cracking felt like, you know, every, you know, not, not this guy who's just a, you know, a physical beast workout fanatic, just, you know, guy cut from marble and like, he couldn't do anything for like two weeks. Like, you know, if you think you're, if you think you're, um, in, you know, imperious from this, you got no chance, man. You know, like germs don't care how big you like how in shape or how out of shape you are. Virus don't give a damn. Virus will knock you on your ass and like and kick you in the teeth and it might even kill you. And that's the like that's the thing about this that people are just, people are so blindly I don't I don't know if it's like ignorant of like what a virus can do, but like we haven't, you know, there's not really been something where it was just like right in your face, like this can take you out at any moment kind of thing before like there i mean there's been like you know swine flu all that bird flu all that shit but like that didn't run as rampant as this has where it's just like it's killing people every day it's it's taking people you know it's putting people in the icu every day and like people just think they're impervious to it they're just like all right yeah whatever like like it ain't gonna get me like it might <laughs> like it doesn't matter who you are it might like you can you can think you're doing everything to prevent it doesn't matter doesn't matter it's gonna kick your ass and like i'm hoping that what Dawkins can say because he's he's got a bigger standing on this team than say Tommy Sweeney, you know Sweeney went all the, through the through all this stuff last year and he was in bad shape, sure was. And guys guys still didn't they were just like yeah well you know it's him you know whatever he's got to deal with it. I don't know take it as a lesson you know Deion Dawkins is a big dude he's a, he's a vital cog to their offensive line. You can't lose him like the the way it's progressing now like. Is he get a play opening day? I don't know. Is he get a play the first couple of weeks? I don't know. Maybe he will. I don't know. We'll see. If he yeah. can get up to shape, great, cool. Like that, good for him. But like, how much He's is going to affect He's this whole season? There. Long road, yeah, though. Like, Long road, absolutely. And right. And and maybe maybe 
his words will influence somebody to who maybe has not gotten a shot to to mm-hmm. get it. But I, I I thought it was really fascinating. You know, one more Bill Singh. I was gonna spend a couple minutes talking about looking ahead to the preseason game Saturday. My father, <laughs> in fact, my father in law, shortly before we before I came up here to tape this with you, and we're taping this late Thursday. He goes, so uh, so what are you looking for in the Bills game Saturday? You know what I thought about it for a minute. And I'm like. Well, I could say this, I could say that, you know, the bottom of the roster. You know what I'm looking for? No one to get hurt. That's what I've concluded. I don't give a shit about the Bills preseason. Nobody should either right now. If you want to talk, listen, these roster battles, yeah, the game, I'm not saying the games mean nothing to the bottom of the roster. They mean something, but I promise you this much, and I know this for a fact, practices mean more. What they're doing every day in practice means more when the coaches are with them all you know, every single day. I'm not saying the games are completely meaningless, but in a, in a way they are. All I give a shit about is that nobody gets hurt. You know, I see the Jets today at practice. It wasn't even a, a game. Carl Lawson, they spent all this money bringing in that defensive end from Cincinnati, who, by the way, I loved. I thought he was going to do a really good job, make the Jets yeah. defensive line a lot better. Bam. Torn Achilles, out for the year. I think that's, look, in any sport, not just football, but any sport, luck comes down to it too. Injury luck matters. And... There's Absolutely. teams, there's there's star players that are going down. The Jets lost another a safety too, I believe, for, for uh, with a major injury as well on Thursday. That's all I care about. Now we ain't have to worry about it with Josh because he ain't playing, nor should he. Nor sh- Stephon Diggs. I mean, he's banged up with his knee, but he wouldn't be playing anyway. I promise you. The guys that matter the right. most ain't playing. They shouldn't play. They got nothing to gain. These are professional athletes. What the fuck do they got to gain? What does Josh Allen have to gain by coming in and throwing a couple five yard passes? Or, or handing the ball off a couple times. He could trip over the right guard's ankle or something and, and rupture his Achilles. No thank you, man. So anyway, mm-hmm. when it comes to the Bills preseason, here's my here's my uh, game preview. I hope no one gets hurt, and that's literally all I give a shit about. That's it. Yeah. That, that, I mean, honestly, that, that, that should be the only thing that matters. Like, it doesn't... You can't... Like, I, I, I got a laugh today when I saw somebody... Somebody from the Bills side said that they hope uh, Mitch Trubisky shows the Bears what they gave up on. I'm like, who are the Bears is he going to show they gave up on? Like, what, the second team defense? Cool. Right. Great. Bears, they, like, man. They don't gives care. A shit, man. They just like, yeah, Justin Fields. It's a point Fields. of pride for him to, like, have a good game. But, like, it doesn't matter, man. Like, you know, Allen's going to play, what, a half of the last game, maybe? Maybe? No. He ain't going to see a snap. He won't see a you snap. You don't think so? Nope. Why would he? No. I, Why would he play? He's got to get no, some kind of reps, right? No, he like, doesn't. No, he doesn't. Nobody know. who matters should get it's one like rep. A series. You're like one series. Hand the ball off three times. No, yeah, thank you. Throw no. one. Throw one slant pattern. Like nah. that's it. No, Jerry Hughes. I don't want to see Trey. I don't want to see Matt Milano. I don't want to see Poyer. I don't want to see Hyde. I don't want to see any of these dudes because there ain't nothing they're gonna do in one series against Chicago or or, uh, or Green Bay that's gonna impress me. That's going to make them a better football player. All I give a shit about is that they're healthy, man. I'm telling you right now, I don't care if they lose 80 to nothing with guys who are never going to make the team. I don't care. And yeah, Mr. Trubinsky, do you think Chicago really gives a shit if he if he no. plays well or not? They just drafted they, they Justin cut him. Like, they're, they're just they're, like, yeah, whatever, good. dude, you're gone. Yeah, like, they, they basically said go somewhere. Yeah. They're like, yeah, peace. Yeah, yeah they didn't try to read. They let him go somewhere else. So yeah, man, it's uh, whatever. I just don't get hurt. That's all I care about in the preseason. Yeah. Now, having said that, I'll probably have an hour podcast and right after the game talking to some Bills expert, you know, breaking down stuff just because it is fun. And I mean, it is still football. My only point is I just don't care. 
I don't care. Now, yeah. I'll tell you something. I, 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 go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, people were asking me, like, hey, what did you think of the Lions, how they did against the Bills? I was like, I didn't watch. Like, I don't care, man. Like, <laughs> who play, who played for them that's, that I'm going to give a damn about? Literally nobody. Like, hell, when they, <laughs> when they make their cuts to 53, half the team are going to be like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Who cares? They stink. Like, you know, what's funny like, is I actually – I, 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 I watched the, the end of that Detroit game last Friday night. I actually was at Brick Bar downtown on Allen Street with uh, – mm-hmm. Kristen Kimmick from the Bills Mafia Babes and a couple other of my friends. And nice. uh, we watched it. It was actually a fun game. I mean, who gives a shit about the game itself? But the game winning kick, the bomb to set up the game winning kick, which you didn't watch. But didn't the, didn't the Lions only have five field goals? Like, isn't that, I don't know. Isn't that their whole offense? Like, it was 16 15, right? I didn't pay. Okay. Yeah, something like I didn't pay. I didn't pay any attention until the last like matter. five minutes. But the last five minutes were fun. But uh, so I, I mentioned Josh all Allen. Dudes, like like you're watching, yeah, you're watching guys be playing the Arena Football League, man. Like, I know, I know. But again, if those XFL guys get hurt, it, it's okay. Back, you know, long as the starter ain't out there to get hurt, that's all I really care about. Um, so Josh Allen. All right, I want to I want to read a quote. My best friend John Worrell from the Associated Press. You know, He's my your good, good buddy. buddy. Eh, not really. But I, I, look, I say this. I don't. Everyone. I don't like John that much. But you know, I do respect him. He's. I respect mm. his career. He's been around for a long time. He's a very accomplished writer. So I might fuck around with bus balls. I was like but bringing him up to I, you because yeah, I, I am pals with him, and you're just like. I know. Well, I'm not pals. I'm not pals with him. I promise you that. But I do. I respect his work. That's my point. He had a tweet that I thought was pretty interesting, and it was a, a comparison, kind of a contrast between Josh Allen and Jack Eichel. And this was shortly after Josh signed that mega extension recently. Mm-hmm. He said this tweet, and I'm quoting John, and this is the big difference between Josh and Jack. I don't think Eichel appreciated how influential his voice in the room is and how eager his teammates were in wanting to follow him. If only he consistently led in the right direction. Um, As somebody who was in the Sabres locker before COVID and knows the team very well, the inner workings of the team, did guys in the locker room really want to follow Jack Eichel? I guess that's my first question, and do you think as a whole, what John said comparing the two has validity where Josh really wants to be a leader and Jack kind of doesn't or didn't think, do it, didn't do it right anyway. His, well, I mean, Jack, I mean, he's still young is the thing. And like being a captain from when you're 20 mm-hmm. is it's asking a lot. I mean, Alan's, you know, NFL has captains like crazy. Like everybody's got like one of those C patches on their chest. Of course, the quarterback's going to have a quarterback's always going to have one, but like, in Jack's case, the way he did things was a bit more like, and it's a different level, obviously, but it's a lot, you know, if you watch the, um, the last dance, the bulls, um, the bulls documentary. Yeah. I've watched it. Brilliant. Yeah, it is. The way Jordan led is probably more similar to how Jack led where it's ball busting, you know, um, kind of being a dick, you know, kind of just, just being like, dude, just, let's just do better. Like there, anytime we watched practice or any of that, we didn't see any like nasty shit. Do you feel, like, do you feel like Jack was pushing guys? Like, I mean, you told you bring up the MJ documentary, which is a, yeah. a great uh, talking point here. Yeah. MJ was absolutely a dick. I mean, he was also I mean, he was ruthless. A, a great MJ basketball was ruthless. player, but he was, he was ruthless, but he was also being ruthless and he was pushing guys like verbally, yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. physically. Do you get a sense that Jack was being that way or, or just kind of being aloof? Well, the, th- the thing with Jordan was that whenever you saw him, like whenever there's video of him practicing, this isn't to say he did it 100% of the time, but 
given anecdotes and given you know what's been said, I would believe he was this way 100% of the time. But like, you were not ever going to get one over on him in a practice. Like, you were never going to make a fool of Jordan. You were never going to beat him. And if you did beat him in a one-on-one or some kind of thing like that, he was going to make your life miserable the rest of that practice. Sure. And he would remember it the rest of the season. And he would make sure you knew it the rest of the season. Now, hockey practices are different because there isn't a lot of that. I mean, there's some of that one-on-one stuff when you're doing rushes and, and you're doing, you know, odd man rush stuff or like whatever. But like that stuff goes goes in one ear and out the other a lot of the time. And, you know, if they're if they are chirping each other on the ice, we can't understand it. You know, you just might see it like, you know, faces made back and forth, like they're, you know, they're talking. You don't know what's being said. You don't know. But like you'll hear guys chirp each other a little bit after practice in the room and just be like, Oh, what was that about? You know, but it's, you know, it's pretty calm. It's pretty easy going, but you don't know what the dynamics are of that necessarily. Like you don't know if guys are, you know, if like some simple little chirp is just, is just getting under that other guy's skin and just being like, ah, that motherfucker, I can't believe he he never leaves me alone about this stuff. Like you don't know what, you know, if that's the case because those guys don't let it on. Like they just don't, they give they, when it comes to poker faces, all these guys have pretty much got them. Like, like they're not they're not going to let you know if there's some kind of internal dynamic that's just gone gone haywire. Like they just sure. won't do it unless you obviously see it. Then there's if you see it, then there's a problem. Like that's that's the main thing. If you see it, there's a problem. But if I was to judge how Jack led things, I'd say it's more along that lines. He's not not a rah rah guy. Like not like a you know a Messier or Iserman type guy where it's just like no hop on my back, I'll take you. Instead, Jack is like kicking these guys in the ass and being like, come on, dude, can't you can do better. Come on, you can do better. I know you can do better. You're better than that. Like, let's go. And like, and he's somebody who knows he's better than everybody else on the team. And he doesn't always have to show it, but he knows he's better. So it's a different, it's a cockiness that comes off differently. And like with, I think in Alan's case, Alan's personality is completely different. He could not be like, they could not be more 180 degrees apart in personality. You know, I, people refer to Alan as like a golden retriever where he's just he just wants to make you happy. And he's just, hey, listen, I'll just do this. It's great. But, you know, he's a fierce competitor. It feels Jack, to me is a fierce competitor. But like it feels to me like there's 52 guys. Joe, it feels to me like there's 52 guys on the bills that will run through a wall for Josh Allen right now. I didn't never got that sense that the Sabres well, kind good. of felt the same. Huh? Sure. I mean, I mean, I mean, if the Sabres are better, I mean. Maybe it's a different view. Like that's fair. That's maybe that's you'd have fair guys point. that would be like, "Hey, man, Jack does like guys would be like, yeah, man, Jack's our best player." But like we've we've talked about this before. It's not Jack's fault they example. lost. It's not it's not Jack's fault that the Sabers are losers. I don't right. think at least anyone reasonable doesn't mm-hmm. come to that. But like John kind of said that he doesn't think that Eichel appreciated how influential his voice was. Do you do you agree with that? I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I, I won't necessarily agree with that 100%, but it's I agree with it more than 75%. I think there's I think there's enough room there to say, like, maybe it's not always that way, but it's pretty close. It's yeah. really okay. close. And, you know, I think. But again, I think a big part of that is just how shitty the team is around, like everything, everything boils down to how the, the rest of the team is built around it. because hockey football, you need the key players at those key positions. And if you got them, you're going to do really well. Hockey we've talked about this a thousand times like basketball if you got two like incredibly great players you're a playoff team almost no matter what hockey 
Sabres have had like you know three or four really good to great players over time, but it didn't matter because if they didn't have the great players in the right positions, they're screwed. And also, your best players only play in twenty minutes of the game at mo- like twenty to twenty five minutes of the game at most. Yeah, and unless your I, goalie's the top guy and he's playing sixty minutes, then good luck. If you got a bunch is, of other guys that just aren't good, then you don't have it. Yeah, I've always felt that the Sabres were a a playoff team, or even if the Sabres were a legitimate playoff contender these last five, six years, I don't think you would see Jack being as outwardly as miserable as he is. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, man. I'd be fucking sick of losing too. Five, Mm -hmm. six years in a row, man. I'd be, I'd be annoyed. I'd be miserable. I'd be short Mm -hmm. with people and I wouldn't be very good to the media. And and I would just, I would be honorary as well, man. So by the way, one more thing, one more thing. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say one more, one other thing. That's why I, these comparisons of Allen to Eichel drive me fucking crazy because imagine if the bills stayed the way they were from Allen's first season to now where he's got right. a bunch of nobody receivers the, the lines shit the, the you know they can't run the ball the defense is suspect like everything else around him is just crappy and like this guy's putting ball like he's throwing passes into places where any other receiver is going to be able to get it and he's doing all this right stuff and you're just like my boy if he had any help geez he'd be really good but instead it all he makes him look bad because He's doing his job right, but the other guys around him aren't good enough to keep up with it. Agreed, like if 100%. that was if that was Allen's career up to now for like three years running, who's to say he's not Mitch Trubisky? Like, you know, like that's the whole thing that kills me. With like, and this is such an old fogey way to look at quarterbacks. But like, I remember when Steve McNair was drafted, and you know, he's drafted out of Alcorn State by the Oilers, and you know, he was like the greatest quarterback in in college football, even though he played D one, you know, one double A, and everybody's like, oh my god, this guy's gonna be incredible, and. Jeff Fisher, to his credit, you know, captain seven and nine, said McNair's not going to play his first year. He's going to learn. He's going to play by, it was like Cody Carlson or something like that. Like, he, you know, he backed him up the whole year. The next year, it's going to be his time to shine. And when he did, he was ready and he was ready to go. Now, that's not to say he was, you know, he couldn't have done that his first year. Maybe he could have. But like, sometimes these dudes just need a year. Like, just learn everything. Instead, these guys are just thrown right in, right out of college. Like, here, be the quarterback. You're the guy now. That shit's crazy to me. Like, there's so much to learn about offenses and everything. Like, holy shit, man. Like, but like, you know, but like the, the game's changed. Like now, if you're drafted first round, you better be ready to go by at least like week five or six, because if you're not, might not be good. And like, if you don't have the team around you, you're boned. Like Trubisky didn't have a team around. Josh Rosen didn't have the team around. None of these guys, Tanny Hill, like he didn't have the guys around him ever. Like took these guys years to like bounce around. And Rosen's gone because he ended up on like two God awful, three God awful teams. I'll tell you what, I, I like your point about Josh, you know, if, if he had a, a suspect roster around him going into year four, maybe he wouldn't be the uh, the lovable quarterback. Everybody loves him and he's mm-hmm. saying all the right things and he's got a great smile and a great attitude and a great demeanor. Of course he does. He just went 13 and three last year. He finished second mm-hmm. in MVP because A, he's an amazing talent, but also mm-hmm. because of Stefan Diggs, because of Cole Beasley, because of a good mm-hmm. offensive line, because of a good system and, and you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, of course he's in a good mood. Dude, losing gets to you. I remember even Rex Ryan was not even here for two full seasons. I remember him coming in, talking shit. He was so happy. You could tell by the end of his second year with the Bills, he was just demoralized and dejected. And his press conferences were were hard to watch at times. You could just tell that he was just defeated. And I think that's what Jack is right now, man. One other thing, too, before we get to starting five, our, our draft to end this. So Jack had a... He's on back on Twitter now, and he's not saying shit. He's putting out emojis. I was like, Jack's trolling Twitter right now with emojis. And on Thursday, he kind of had what was what would you call that? Like an unamused face. I don't know even know what you call it. What's up with Jack on Twitter now, man? What the hell is this? Pissed off emoji. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I think once we saw he came back to Twitter, it was going to be like, oh, we're going to finally get something to spice this up because there's been no talk. Like, there's, you know, Sabres are going to say Adams doesn't have anything to say, like, whatever. Um, and his agents and Jack don't say anything unless Adams says anything. So, like, nobody's saying anything now. So, so Jack's just like, fuck, man, let's go. Like, let's go. Like, let's step on it already. And he's pissed. Like, I mean, but the thing is, like, is he pissed about that? Is he pissed about something else? Like, is he is he pissed that Austin Matthews is on the cover of NHL 22? Is he, you know, is he pissed about, like, you know, the Blue Jays are back in Toronto and they're not staying in Buffalo? Yeah, is he pissed about was... the Red Sox being shitty now? Like, what, like what, what's he <laughs> mad about? Is he, is he pissed because Cam Newton's a Patriots quarterback? Nobody knows. Is, you know, who knows what he's annoyed about? Is he pissed because the Yankees no won tonight and then now they've won seven in a <laughs> yeah. row? Yankees have won seven in a row, baby. But, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's clearly some cryptic shit going on with Jack, yeah. and uh, I don't it's know. Taking a page right out of Evander Kane's book of when hey. he was he was just tweeting out emojis all the time. Was just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, come on. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. At least Jack tweeting in emojis gave us a a fresh reason to talk about him for <laughs> right. for this week. Anyway, just ignoring him. Right. <laughs> all right. So let's end with our starting five draft, like we do every week. And last week we did Billy Joel songs and man, this is just becoming too familiar of a theme. Joe kicked the shit out of me again. 74% of the vote Joe collected. He drafted only the good die young piano man moving out. You may be right. And my life I took, and I only got 26% of the vote, New York state of mind, honesty scenes from an Italian restaurant. She's got a way and still rock and roll to me. And I mean, look, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. I went. I got a little bit too uh, artsy with my first two picks. I got actually yeah, not artsy. I was sentimental. I'm telling you, I'm so caught up in the it's moment of being time. back in New York. So New York State of Mind stood out for me, but that was a horrible first choice. I think I took that yes. first overall too, didn't I? Yeah. And yep. and then honesty. Put it this way: Billy Joel was just in concert last week, and that's why we uh, played this the game. That's why we did the draft, dude. Mm-hmm. I drafted honesty in the second round, and he like. Literally, that's not even in his set. He doesn't even sing it at his oh, concerts, man. No. So that's a, that's a song that I like. It's a personal favorite. Oh. And that came back to Gibby. I'll tell you one thing no, we did agree on, though. We agreed on one thing. Neither of us, we both went exclusively with 70s shit, man. We went early Billy yeah. Joel. We we snubbed the 80s, dude. No Uptown Girl, no Allentown, no no The Longest Time. None of that. Longest Time's good. It is Longest good. Time's still good. Those are all but- good songs. Like, but like, uh, even like River of Dreams almost made the cut for me. And that would have been like what, 90s, late yeah. 80s, 90s? I uh, think like, early that's 90s. A really good song. That's a really good song, but like, just missed the cut. But like, we didn't take Big Shot. That's another 70s song. Like, Big Shot would have been, I, I think Big Shot would have either like put me at 80% or would have got you, would have got you back in the race. Yeah, probably. Uh, the one I saw a lot of people complain about on Twitter that neither of us took was Vienna, which. I'm I'm fine with not taking that. I, I don't really like yeah, it. It's, it's just all right. right. But, but like, but, I got roasted for like going Homer picks everywhere. I was like, listen, somebody rightfully called me out because I busted your ass about the Olympic sports. And it was like, oh, you get on his ass for taking it. Like you took piano, man. I'm like, <laughs> I only know these Billy Joel songs. Like, I only know these these X number of Billy Joel songs. I'm like, listen, if he's going to leave Piano Man on my plate, I'm taking it. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. if you're going to leave me a gift, I'm taking the gift. Like, I'm not just yeah. going to like pass it because I know if I passed on it, you're taking it. Yeah, this was like, if this was a, a football game, I fumbled the ball three times, like in the first quarter. So kind of got mm-hmm. the expected results. And I and we said that last week as we were drafting. In fact, uh, Jill was with us and, and she kind of said the same thing. I was getting my ass kicked. And sure enough, 
I did. Gosh, she still did, was on your. She still yeah, she voted did, for you. She though. did vote for me, but she did say I was going to get my ass kicked, and she was a hundred percent right. All right, so this week we're doing best hair bands. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Rock mm-hmm. hair bands, a lot mm-hmm. of bands to choose from. Um, yeah, so I took New York State of Mind, so I had the first overall pick. So you're going to get the first, and uh, let's see if we can get ourselves. You know what? Win or lose, a competition. We keep saying it every week. We have yet to have a competition. People who go to our games never stay for the full game. They leave in no. the in the seventh inning because somebody's up big every they're, fucking They're out week. at the third quarter. They're leaving yeah. at second intermission. They're just yeah. like, this, this shit's over. <laughs> with, man. All right, so you're first. What, what uh, do you got? I'm start, I've already got this written down on my list. It's Motley Crue. The crew is the king of the hair bands. Okay. And some buddy of mine was trying to cast some doubt on me saying like, I don't know if they're really hair. I'm like, bro. They're hair. Bro. Like their hair, their hair times a thousand. Granted, like their later stuff, not as hair, but like neither were they. But like, you know, Mick Mars is an alien. Nikki Six, you know, survived death. Um, you know, uh, Vince Neal is like, he does whatever he wants to do. And Tommy Lee, like these dudes all had hair bigger than their heads back in the 80s. Like their hair, their hair a hundred times, but they're fucking great. Well, let me ask you this before I make my two picks. And that's a good pick. And I had them very high on my list as well let's make sure we're on the same page because we haven't really pre-discussed okay. this with, with hair yeah. bands. To me, a hair band is a rock band, obviously. It could be mm-hmm. 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever. Mainly 80s. So I, I consider 80s and 90s more kind of yeah. hair band. I mean, you could go into 70s, I guess, as well. But it's like, I'll give you one that I don't think either of us are going to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, Journey. I don't consider Journey a hair no. band. I mean, maybe no. technically that, that's they classic took, rock band. They're, they're, yeah, exactly. That's my point. They're classic rock. Now there and is I got one, one that I have in mind that if you pick them, I will fight you on because <laughs> I will. I I am determined that they are not a hair band. But I, we'll see well, if it happens. There's one. There's one that I would debate. That's why I'm asking you this. Maybe and, we're on the same page there. And so Mike, we'll if it comes if it comes up, maybe I'll debate it with you. If not, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it after. But anyway, all right, so I'm on the clock for two. Um, you went Motley Crue. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Def Leppard. I like Def nice. Leppard a lot, and I definitely think they're a hair band from the 80s. Again, could, could, they've could been call around it? since the 70s. Yeah, like, yeah. They made their hay in the 80s. They made their they hay in the 80s. Hair. Could, but could you say, I, is it possible to be a hair band and a classic rock band? Because I, I, I sort of feel well, now, like yeah. maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you can, 100%. Yeah, that's what so I'm that's saying. Because, like, that's because like shit like the wallflowers is now considered classic rock. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Right, it right, came right, out right. like, like 2000, like, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, I consider Def Leppard hair band for sure. Um, whereas some others, I, I don't really consider them hair bands. And again, maybe we'll come across it. Maybe we won't. And this, do I put myself in a position where I can get in trouble mm. very early? Cause I feel like I'm going Let's to, if, I, if I do this, Let's see what you got. I feel like if I do this, uh, I'm going to get, uh, it's not going to play well in Buffalo. Do I have the balls to do it? It's not going to play well in Buffalo. It's I'm not, really interested in this. It's not. I know it's not. Um, I am not going to do it. <laughs> not now. Okay. I'm going to go. All right. Now, if you don't now, pick them at all, you need to hear it after. I'm going to. I might pick them later on. I might. But again, this is being. I, I'm playing for polls for oh, votes I know. I by know. not picking I, them. You know, I know, I know who you're talking about. Yes, Never you mind. do. I all know, right, so I'm going to, I'm getting away from that now because I don't want to get blown. I'm sick of getting <laughs> fucking blown out. I'm going Guns N' Roses. I'm going Guns N' Roses. All right, all that, right. Hang on, time out. There it is. <laughs> they, they are not a hair band. They are a hard rock band. Well, so's Molly Crew. If that's the case, Molly Crew made multiple hair albums. 
You could argue Guns N' Roses' appetite for destruction might be hair. And it's only because Axel had hair. The whole rest, like, Slash has had the same hair for life. They're a hard, <laughs> they're an LA hard rock band. Hmm. And I will have multiple, I, if you want me to, I'll, I will phone a friend right now and have them, <laughs> have them also yell at you. Uh, because my, my pal, Bill Hoppy will be like, hell no, they're not a hair band. And All he, right. See this, I, we're going to, we might come across a couple of hair here. band when they played here, what three years, three, four years ago, they played down at, uh, down at the, the stadium mm-hmm. and I saw them. Who do they have opening for them? They had live. If you're a hair brand, you have other hair bands open for you. Like that's just how that works. Right. Live well, is like an alternative band. Well then, so there's no controversy. We're going to scratch them. We're, we'll, we'll call I'm glad them illegal. I bullied you out of them. Because, you have like, definitely bullied me out of it. And I agree. As long as we're on the same page where if somebody says, we're no Guns N' Roses, we're going to say because we don't consider them. That's a not band. a hair band. Okay. Well, listen, listen, to, listen to the song from like the T2 soundtrack, which was like, what, what year did T2 come out? 92, 93? I'm not even sure. If You Could Be Mine? If You Could Be Mine is a frigging killer yeah, it is. rock song. Like, holy shit. Now- not that I want to make an argument against myself, but patience, patience is a classic ballad. It is like the whistling and the whole thing. Like that was like, you know, in eighth grade, I had like friends of mine were like first slow dancing to friggin' patience. And it was just like, oh, uh, all right. But, all like, right. but like, man, like guns and Ro- like I hear guns and Rose and I'm like, that ain't hair, man. Like that's a, that's a kick you in the mouth metal song like that. Okay. It's, it's a little glam. It's a little glam, but it ain't hair. Okay. That's fair. All right. Well, then I'm going to, you know what? I am going to go for uh, my second pick, and it's going to be Bon Jovi. And, and I'm horrified that it's going to kill me because Bill's, Bill's, fan, Bill's, fan, Bill's fans hate Bon Jovi. Yeah, Bon Jovi's hair band. I don't care what anybody 100%. says. They're hair band, they're glam like band, glam rock. They're all that. Good songs, too, by the way. I hate the fact that what happened with, uh, by the way, my wife's completely upset with Bon Jovi. I hate the fact that what happened with them and being alleged to, you know, wanting to buy the bills and move them out of Buffalo, although he denied that every single time but it was good music for that era man it, mm-hmm. it was a good hair band so anyway all right Def Leppard and Bon Jovi those are my two Guns and Roses was stricken and we'll point that out on Twitter so you had Molly <laughs> Crew and now you got two coming up all right so I, I have to cross off your picks here Def Leppard off uh Bon Jovi off um this this category is so tough because the really good hair bands might not be the really name grabby ones because mm-hmm. there's one that there's one that i want to pick right now and i'm like mm, i don't know if i can make that pick right now but i'm very worried you're gonna take it so that's my fear but i'm gonna take a chance that you're not gonna do it so i'm gonna take white snake okay that's a good one white snake with tawny katane and david coverdale and the the whole you know here i go again on my own um Fool for Your Lovin', which was like a song they did in the 70s when it wasn't hair. Then they redid it as a hair song. And it's such a the video for that. I swear to God, go back and watch the video for that. You will laugh your friggin ass off watching Steve Vai. And I forget who the bassist is doing the most ridiculous dumb shit with their guitars, like, you know, throwing it between their legs, like, you know, doing all sorts (laughs) of like just wanky insane garbage and it's so fun it's such a stupid over the top 80s hair song it's great and coverdale coverdale was a hot dude and he's been in music for a long time and like that dude just worked it for that and i'm very confident in myself to be like david coverdale was a hot dude i saw david coverdale at the m3 rock fest what like 
like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it was. And he's old. I mean, this dude was singing for Deep Purple back in the 60s. Like, oh, mm-hmm. he, he's been around a long time. This dude looked like Sam the Eagle, the Muppet. Like, he, like he had like the, the pronounced brow. He still had the hair somehow. Probably wasn't very real. And he's like bird chested and he weighs like maybe 95 pounds. And he's just like cranking the tunes out. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's a freak. Like, I cannot believe this guy's still going. He's like, he's got to be like 70 years old. He's still doing this <laughs> le- leather pants on stage and shit. Like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, I'm going White Snake, And I'm also. I'm going to go with Warrant. My wife would love this pick. We saw Warren in we saw Warren in Florida like less a year ago maybe or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, good pick, man. Yeah. Cherry Pie is like a it's a legendary hair sure. song. It is. Just it's legendary. Like it's the most and it's like a cock rock hair song too because it's it's totally a, it's a totally horny song. But it tries not to be, but it totally is. <laughs> I'll tell you right now with this with this music and I'm going to admit this, I'm like going into enemy territory. Like you are far more versed when it comes to <laughs> hair rock and I, glam rock and maybe even to some extent like heavy rock for sure than I am. I'm more of I've, a I've, uh, been to, I've been to the M3 rock festival like three or four times. So yes, I've, yeah, seen, no. I've seen a lot of these bands I've seen like well after their I well got, after their peak, I ain't so, got nothing to do with any of that shit. I went I, I never would. But now <laughs> like, I mean, said, like this wanna... is tough for me because there's bands that I've seen like like twenty five years after they were good yeah. and I'm just like, oh man, they're still good. And yeah, if, I can't pick if, if there was certain like if we were talking eighties pop, I probably can go on for hours about oh, some you'd group. Kill, you'd kill but, me at eighties. But pop. well good. Maybe then if if it, if push <laughs> comes week. to shove, if I lose this week <laughs> and we're doing best eighty pop acts and you know why. All right, so I got two here. And look, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I am at the portion already of this draft where I'm drafting groups based on only one or two songs because most of these groups, again, I'm not deeply into them. So I don't know seven, eight, nine jams from these groups. I am going, Mm -hmm. this one is based on two songs, but I actually love these two songs. Skid Row. I love Skid Row. Okay. So bad at you for taking Skid Row. 18 in Life is, I love that song and I Remember You. Sebastian Bach. So it's not like Mm -hmm. I don't know Skid Row. I I know them pretty pretty well. So I like them a lot and I'm going to go with, uh, so let me see now. Oh boy. Um, hmm. Skid Row was easy for me. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to go with another one. It's only got two. And I don't know. I don't even know if people are going to care or even know some of the, the younger people anyway, but I'm going with Cinderella. You remember Cinderella? Nice. Nobody's fool. Don't know what mm-hmm. you got. I like that a lot. And I got one more, but I, I, I got to wait now. Cause now you got your last two. If I get this last one, I'm going to feel really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking right now. Uh, okay. All right. I feel good about it. Yeah. Skid Row, Cinderella, you've taken three. So you got two more and, and then you're done. Okay. So there's there, when I think of hair, there's two bands that I think make up when I think hair, these are the two bands that jump out to me. And one I like one, I'm not as big of a fan of. Okay. And that, that band is poison. I mm. am not, I am not a big poison fan, but God damn it. If they aren't like the most hair of hair bands, they are like, I, Brett Michaels and like the whole rest of that crew is just like, oh my God, like they're, they, they were the most hair, like they're so sickeningly hair, like it, the makeup, the hair, like they, they used more 
hairspray than the entire state of New Jersey. <laughs> like it's it's crazy. I agree. Um, if you were if you were making a poster of hair bands, even if you don't necessarily like them, poison better be on that poster. Oh, or it's yeah. not, or it's not like, a real poster then. I agree. Like, even like the band logo is just like, oh yeah, that's an eighties band. Like neon green poison lettering. You're just like, oh yeah, that's that's an eighties band. All the way. The skin tight leather pants and the like the torn up t shirts and shit. They're, just, <laughs> they're so they're so eighties. They're so eighties it makes me sick. But like I respect it that they've that they've held on to that crown, but I just never, never got down with poison, but like begrudgingly respect them. Fair, fair. And I'm happy you didn't pick. And like, you made me really nervous when you, when you picked the last two, you're just like, I only know a couple of the songs. I'm like, Oh fuck, please, please don't take them. Please don't take it. It's rat. Ooh. Rat, rat is the best. They are, the, they are genuinely to me, the best of the hair bands. And they're a band that even when I saw them at, when I saw them live, you know, however, you know, like a few years back, still kicked ass. Stephen Piercy is an unreal singer. Like he's got a distinct voice. They they got a whole freaking band that shreds. They freaking rule, man. Like you you pick up their greatest hits, which I know sounds crazy. You're like, what is that? Three songs? No, it's like sixteen songs. They're all freaking good. And like you've heard them all at some point before. And there was even one track on there that surprised me. Because it's apparently apparently like MTV did like a hair metal like unplugged at some point and just like trotted out random bands to just to, just to do stuff. And they did Way Cool Junior, which is an insane title for a song. It's just the dumbest title. But they did an un, there's an unplugged version of Way Cool Junior. And it's Stephen Piercy just being like, wow, wow, wow. It's just like growling a lot like like a cat to this song. And you're just like, OK, yeah, this is perfect. And it's great. Like It doesn't make any sense. But like fucking rat, man, I. I love rat. Like if they can't, if they rolled around like somewhere in Buffalo, I'd be like, I go see rat. I'll go. Yeah. I go right now. Like I fucking <laughs> love rat. All right. So that runs out your five. And I got one more. I'm all right. I'm, I'm down to two. I want to, one of them. I don't know. You know what? Actually they're both hair bands. So I, I would, I would fight you if you said I was wrong. Anyway, the one <laughs> I'm taking is the one I'm taking is definitely a hair band. It's Europe. I like oh, Europe, yeah. man. The final countdown, rock the night, carry a very overrated or underrated, I should say, power ballad. Yeah. I like Europe a lot, so that was a semi easy decision for me. Rock the so night we, is a great song. It is. It is. Great it is. song. It is. So we both have our five. All right. I was going to ask you about this one because I said I had two mm -hmm. that I was contemplating. If I would have said Twisted Sister, right, would I would I have yeah. gotten pushback from you? No, they're yeah, they're hair. They're like they, they border on the edge of being hard rock, but like you can't look at D. Snyder and say like that's a normal band. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's got the giant hair. He's got more makeup on than your grandma. Like you're a hair band. I got one specifically that I wanted to ask you about, but and then we'll wrap this up because they were very high on my list. Very high. They were in my top three. Actually, they were in top two. They were. I had a number two, two. Oh, okay. but I didn't take them based on Guns and Roses being a. Uh, you know, you, 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 you took me to court on that one. <laughs> if I would have said Van Halen, what would have been your reaction? Absolutely not. They are not a hair band. That's that is what a hard, I'm saying. That is a hard rock band. Right. That's see, it can be tough. Cause now, yeah, if like, you said David Lee Roth solo, I'd give you that. Okay. That's fair because like, I did David it. Roth solo, it's like he had Steve. I think he had, I think he also had Steve. I playing guitar for him and, um, Yankee Rose. That's a hair band song. Like that's yeah. a hair song. Uh, right. Just like living it, like paradise. Uh, it's from that. Al it's the album cliffhanger. I think it is. I think it's cliffhanger, but like 
that the video for that is just like him like scaling rocks and like repelling and shit. And right. Like, what, the f- what the fuck is David Lee Roth doing climbing <laughs> mountains? Stop it, dude. You got a career. So like, like you, you were bl- like Van, that's Van, hair, Halen. Van Halen is not hair. Okay. Van Halen, I like rock just like say, uh, well, we already concluded at Guns N' Roses too, but like say Sticks and Ariel Speedwagon and Journey, those are all rock. Those aren't classic really, rock. that's not hair. Yeah, those are that's like rock. Classic that's, rock. That's classic rock. All right, yeah. so that's what we would put Van Halen. Sticks right, is almost well, prog. Like they I didn't do pick. computer shit and yeah. All right, so here, let's recap the draft now. So Joe selected Motley Crue, White Snake, Warrant, Poison, and Rat. And I selected Def Leppard, Bon Jovi. That's the one that scares me because this is Buffalo. If this was a poll, if this was talking Tampa podcast, I think I'd be good with Bon Jovi, but talking mm-hmm. Buffalo, I'm concerned. Anyway, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, Skid Row, Cinderella, Europe. This That's could a, be, dude. This is got to be close. This I'm could con- be like if if this is me as like not looking at uh, look at both of these, I'm like oh, like because there's so like you now mind you, I'm not a Bon Jovi fan. Like just in general, I wasn't a Bon Jovi fan, so I'd be like, mm, I don't yeah, I'm know fishing, about I'm that. Fishing, like, I'm fishing. You would want me back with Europe. Like Europe wins me back, which. The last M3 that I went to, Europe was a headliner, which I was fired up about. When one of the other bands that was there that day was Crocus. I fucking love Crocus. Crocus kicks ass. Like Swiss air metal band? Yes, please. But like, <laughs> but like Europe came out and like people started leaving. And I was like, what? What are you leaving for? Like, they're, like, ah, they're not really hair metal. That guy is a big saying words that I'm not going to repeat. But like talking about uh, Joey Tempest, the lead singer. And I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, what do you? leaving for it and it's like and i remember back to the 80s when like europe came up on the scene and joey tempest is like he was he was a hyperactively hot dude that it made hair metal and metal fans be like no no dude no he's no he's too hot no 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 he can't be a real metal guy he's too pretty like what like what are you, what are you talking about like, these guys wear makeup and like they they tease up their hair man like what do you care about what joey tempest looks like he's another hot dude that sings great cool but like these guys took offense to it. Like they get so mad about Europe and they're just, ah, fuck Europe. I don't like them. And I'm like, you're it's 30 years later, man. And you're still holding this over Europe's head. You're going to leave. You're going to leave. Like they got a new album that just came out. You're going to leave. They fucking killed. They're great. <laughs> Europe fucking rules, man. So yeah. So yeah, you would have killed me with Bon Jovi, but Europe would have been like, oh, fuck. Okay. All right. But yeah, this vote, if this vote isn't close, I'm going to be very mad. If it's if it's if it's a blowout one way or the other, I'm gonna be so annoyed because this this should be like a this should be like a fifty three forty seven vote. Honestly, I agree. I agree hundred percent, and hopefully it is. We'll see how Bon Jovi if that comes back to Herbie being a Buffalo market it's at all. It's been long I, enough. Well, I, hopefully you're right. But anyway, all right. So that is gonna do it for this Casual Friday again, presented by Casey's Black Rock. Go check the bar out, man. Great place, great food, great time. Joe and I will be back there taping the show next Thursday. I'll have information on my Twitter mm-hmm. at and Tweets. Of course, follow Joe on Twitter as well at Joe Yurden. Thanks for letting me, uh, in all seriousness, this was a, a fun episode. I always, you know, I love doing the draft with you and talking mm-hmm. Bills and Sabres, but kind of like, I don't know, it was like a little bit therapeutic for me to be able to just kind of talk it out and and, mm-hmm. and just get shit off my chest that I feel like I needed to. So thanks for that. And, and as always, buddy, thanks for, for doing the pod with me, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me as always, dude. It's always good. I'll always listen to you. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.